welcome to episode five of the Legends Podcast. I am one half of the hosting contingency, Sam Mannheimer, and I'm joined by co-host Ari Levy. <laughs> oh, episode five already. It's crazy how far we've come in just two months. Time flies when you're enjoying things, and I can definitely say that we're we're having a lot of fun doing this. We're having a lot of fun. We've talked to a lot of really interesting people so far. We're getting a lot of positive feedback. And uh, we plan on pushing forward. We got some really good stuff that some we've already recorded, some already lined up, and we're really excited to share with you guys. Yeah, no, I definitely think we have a lot of good stuff in the pipeline, and uh, appreciate all the guests that have been on thus far. It's been fun reconnecting with people that we haven't necessarily been in touch with in our normal day-to-day lives. So it's definitely been a fun experience at this point, and uh, appreciate all the listeners who continue to tune in. Um, so there's this tweet that's been going around. It's gone pretty viral and a lot of people have been sending it to me. I think about five different people send it to me and I want to read it, uh, to you guys. And then we'll give you, give you guys our thoughts. It's from someone named Flossie Baby J. I don't know who that is, but why do men start podcasts instead of going to therapy? And that's a good question. I don't need to go to therapy, but I heard it does wonders. Yeah, I went I went to therapy a little bit when I was a kid. Um, not since really though. Were you I think misbehaving my, in school? Yeah, I was acting out. But uh I think more recently my exposure to therapy has been with Dr. Melfi and the Sopranos. Um <laughs> so I, I would say that she's my therapist at this point. But I mean in in a lot of ways the podcast is a little bit therapeutic. You get to think about things introspectively and think about your your place in the world, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I was just thinking about this, like therapy is about you. And I don't think this podcast has ever been about us. And when we created it, it was never about us. We created it on the premise of, we know a lot of interesting people that we went to school with and beyond. We're going to get some guests on that didn't go to uh, Indiana or we're in API. We have those lined up. Um, but it was about like the guests and it was about reconnecting people. It's amazing that Sparker reached out to me and he said, dude, I've had a couple different people message me who I haven't talked to in a while. And they said they heard, they heard me on the podcast and they, they thought what I was doing was really interesting and they wanted to come out and visit. And if we could do that for people and we could give them exposure and have them reconnect with old friends or new friends who hear them and, and think whatever they're doing is interesting and however they could get involved or whatnot, reach out that that's fine. Cause that's all we want to do is just connect people and, and have the guests share their stories. Yeah. I think everyone's got trying to contribute. Um, and it's been, been a pleasure being able to give people that platform to come on the show and um, explain, I guess, what they're, what they're knowledgeable about and share their thoughts and, it's been it's been a joy being able to give people that that opportunity. Oh yeah, and and it's been really fun thus far, and we're really excited to continue going forward on it. Um, but first and foremost, fuck the Big Ten. Yeah, if uh, you're not following IU football and in, in the Big Ten football proceedings over the last few weeks, to summarize. They changed a, a set of rules that essentially would have allowed Indiana to play in the Big Ten Championship. Initially, the conference had said that you needed to play six games in order to qualify to be in the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State 
the poster child of the Big Ten Conference, played in five games, and the conference recently voted this week to allow Big Ten, or sorry, allow Ohio State to participate in the championship game, a spot that many, including me, believe was rightfully Indiana's. Um, rightfully, Indiana's by the rules. They did lose to Ohio State in the regular season by one touchdown, uh, which was a tremendous game. But what's the point of making rules if you're just not going to stick by them? I understand that Ohio State is is your moneymaker and that they're the poster child of the Big Ten, and they're probably going to get a spot in the college football playoff if they win this game, correct? Yeah, I think I think they're a shoe-in for the playoff. Yeah. What um, I will say, what I will say about the Big Ten and just playing devil's advocate here, they did make a good point in that even if Ohio State had played Michigan as they were scheduled to do prior to the game being canceled due to COVID, even if they had lost that sixth game, they still would have held the tiebreak against Indiana. So they would have qualified for the Big Ten championship game, regardless of the outcome. And I think more importantly and, and more um, at a high level, the Big Ten Conference, before the season was slated to begin, said that they weren't going to play football this year to begin with. And they'd canceled the season, assuming that other conferences were going to follow suit, only to find that big conferences like the Big 12 and SEC decided to plow through with their season. So then they changed their own set of rules to restart the season. So at this point, them changing the rules again really shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Um, obviously, we got the short end of the stick. and. It, Indiana fan who felt that our team was deserving of a spot in the championship game. But I think it's being a bit optimistic to think that the Big Ten was ever going to adhere to their own rules when they'd already broken so many of them in even playing the season. Yeah. And if there's one thing we've learned over the years from watching the NCAA and, and the Big Ten and whatever other conferences, they literally will do whatever they want and they will change whatever rules and there is really nobody stopping them. Yeah. I mean, they're not accountable to anybody. Um, athletic directors obviously have sway within those types of decisions. But I mean, Indiana was really the lone team who was going to be pushing for a Hoosier Big Ten championship game from a from a conference perspective. Um, the teams stand to make a fair amount of money by having a team in the college football playoff in the final four teams. And Ohio State definitely gives the conference the best shot at that. So yeah. I can understand the rationale from other programs wanting Ohio State in it, but it definitely hurts and it feels yeah. critical. And as an Indiana fan and someone who just watches predominantly when watching college, watches Big Ten basketball or football, you definitely want some sort of representation, whether it be in the Final Four or the college football playoff. So if we get Ohio State in there, who did beat Indiana during the regular season, I guess it's okay, but it's still bullshit. It will always be bullshit. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I know you did some research on bowl games. What uh, what are the Hoosiers looking like and what are the other outcomes looking like? Thanks for bringing it up, Ari. So you brought up the, the bowl game situation. Indiana not only was screwed by the Big Ten over the last week, but they were also screwed by the College Football Playoff Committee. So this is the group of people that decide which of the four teams go to the playoff. But in addition to that, it also helps dictate who participates in what's known as the New Year's Six Bowl games, which are the, the marquee matchups that pretty much every team wants to be involved in. Um, so the rankings came out last Sunday, 
and the CFP ranked Georgia and Iowa State ahead of Indiana. Both of those two teams have two losses. Georgia's best win before this week was at Auburn, who at that point was seventh in the country, but turned out to be a five and four team and is currently unranked. Both of Georgia's losses came by double digits. That doesn't make sense that they're ranked ahead of the Hoosiers, who have one loss, and that loss was to the number four team in the country on the road. Moving on to Iowa State, that team lost to Louisiana, who's a Sunbelt team. That's not a Power 5 school. Doesn't make sense why they would be ranked ahead of us. So I think the fix is in a little bit. College football playoff doesn't want to see Indiana at the top of the rankings. Um, I don't think that they view our program as, as a moneymaker to them. They don't think that there's a national following of our team. I would beg to differ with that. I think we're one of the most fun and exciting teams to watch. And I mean, if I'm if I'm an average college football fan and I see, I don't know, Northwestern or something like that, just like a more traditional team with a with a traditional uh, I guess Northwestern's not a good example of that. You mean I was going to say you mean Chicago's Big Ten team? <laughs> yeah. All right. But I mean, I guess that my point is there's a lot of blue chip programs who have traditional success. And then there's Indiana. Indiana is kind of that the new kid on the block. I'm more excited by them than I am by a traditional program. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think a lot of these SEC schools also get benefit of the doubt. Um, not didn't didn't Iowa State also they lost by a couple scores to Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know off the top of my head what the margin of victory there, but I think but, even regardless of that, Louisiana is a Sunbelt school and they are ranked, but they're not in the same conversation. And in, in they lost 31 to 14 at home versus Louisiana. Yeah, that's a bad loss. So yeah. Gary Barta, who I think is the head of the college football playoff committee said about, of Indiana, quote, they don't have any top 25 wins and none of their wins are against a team with a winning record. So that was certainly considered as one of the variables, end quote. My response, facts don't care about feelings. Indiana had multiple wins against top 25 teams at the time of playing them. Penn beat, State. Yeah, they beat Penn State, who was ranked number eighth in the country at the time. They beat number 23, Michigan, at the time, and number 16, Wisconsin, on the road. Those teams have losing records or 500 records now, but only because Indiana beat them. If we lost to those teams, they may be above 500. So would it have been in our interest to have lost those games so we would have a quality schedule? It makes zero sense in the world. It, um, it's, it's crazy because there's just facts. The facts might just not fit the narrative that the Big Ten committee and then the college football playoff committee want to see. And then they'll just be like, oh, well, none of these teams are top 25 now. So we're just your wins don't count is basically what they say. Yeah. And and moving back on to Georgia for a second here. So their best win was against Auburn, who was ranked number seventh in the country at the time of that game. But they went on to be five and four. And then they also had beaten Tennessee, who I think at the time of the game was ranked. But when the rankings came out last week, Tennessee was two and six. So it's a double standard and it definitely caters to an SEC bias, um, which I think has kind of existed in college football for couple decades at this point sec is a good conference but it just makes zero sense to put a two loss team ahead of a one loss indiana squad um moving on to what happened this week indiana obviously didn't play since the old oak and bucket game was unfortunately canceled due to covid very disappointing i think we would have absolutely 
ran over a subpar Purdue team, cementing IU. Oak and Bucket home. Yeah. Would have cemented IU as the second best school in Indiana public institution when it comes to football behind uh, Notre Dame. And the second best in the Big Ten. And the second best in the Big Ten. So unfortunate that we didn't play this week. But what happened this week was – Two teams that were ranked ahead of Indiana lost. One of those was Miami, who was ranked 10th. They got killed by UNC. Um, I think both of UNC's running backs ran for, one of them ran for 300 yards, the other one ran for like 250 yards. So you, uh, Miami is out of the conversation. We're going to be ranked ahead of them come this week. The other team that lost was Florida. They basically lost because one of their players threw a shoe of one of the LSU players and that led to a penalty. And then that ball movement ultimately led to the game winning field goal from LSU. So Florida has two losses. Now they still play in the sec championship game, but they're going to get killed by Alabama. So essentially after next week, Florida is going to have three losses. And this all is assuming that Indiana wins the crossover game that we'll play next week at, or I don't know where it'll be at or at home um, at Iowa most likely. So we got to win, but those two teams that I just mentioned, UNC and Florida, probably out of um, the conversation of being ahead of us. Yeah. And, and if anyone watched that Florida game last night, it was, it was really, it was super crazy. Honestly, LSU got off to a really good start and then Florida took the lead and just such a dumb penalty. They, they threw an out route or Brad Johnson, former NFL quarterback son came in for LSU he played great. Towards the end of the game, he threw an out route to a tight end who caught it. They tackled him. His shoe came off. And the guy who tackled him picked up his shoe and threw it downfield. Unsportsmanlike conduct, 15 yards, which set him up for a 57-yard field goal that they hit in the fog, which was really impressive. Um, and, yeah, just it's one of those things like, what, what, what were you doing? Like, what were you thinking? Why did you need to throw a shoe? You knew you were going to get a penalty. So. Um, Florida's out, and also another really good game, if anyone saw, USC, UCLA. Um, UCLA scored a field goal with probably about 50 seconds left to take the lead, and USC got the ball back. They had a 50-yard kickoff return, and then they marched the ball downfield in like three or four plays and scored a touchdown and ended up winning, which was also great. So it went from watching the – I was watching the LSU and Florida game, and then that ended, and I went to the USC game and got to watch that. So two back-to-back great games. In the words of Austin Powers, honestly, who throws a shoe? Yeah. But then you actually bring up an interesting team in USC. So thinking ahead to the New York New New Year's Six Bowls, so there's going to be 12 total teams in these six games. 12 is contractually guaranteed a spot in one of those games. So regardless of where USC is finally ranked, whether it's ahead of Indiana or behind Indiana, they're going to be the Pac-12's team in the New Year's Six Bowls. So Thinking through scenarios where IU plays in one of these games, they essentially need to be ranked 11th or better in theory um, with USC ahead of them. So thinking ahead towards that Big 12 championship game next week includes Oklahoma and Iowa State. Both of those teams have two losses. So the loser would have three. It'd be difficult to put a one loss Indiana team behind a three loss team. So I think we jump the loser of that game. Um, Pivoting to Coastal Carolina, 
they're probably going to win the Sun Belt game against Louisiana, which would give them their 12th win, which in all honesty is incredible that they've played 12 games in a COVID rattled year. Um, and they set up that game with BYU, like, what was it? 72 hours notice. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Honestly, hats off to the coastal Carolina program for being able to pull that off. And the um, turquoise turf, the turquoise turf, the mullets. Yeah. They, uh, they're a different breed down there. For sure. So they'll they'll actually probably jump us, I think, in the rankings since they'll be 12-0. and 0. Um, But hopefully not. Lastly, um, Cincinnati could lose to Tulsa in the American Conference Championship, but that's probably not going to happen. So I think, assuming that we don't move down in the rankings after this week, after not playing, and we're still kind of in that 12 rank that we're, that we're in now, if we win next week against probably Iowa, we probably make into year six bowl, which, I mean, I'm being a little optimistic and, and obviously hoping that we beat Iowa. That's a good team, but I think we can do it. Would be incredible for the program to be in one of those. Yeah. And, you know, and I know we, we've talked a lot about Indiana football, but to think in one season that they would beat Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and now potentially Iowa. It's it's pretty remarkable. It's just to see how far this this program has come. They were a laughing stock for a while. Um, I just know if we were, I don't know. Well, you can't go to the games now, but if you could go to the games and we were freshmen, I think we'd be going to the games. Yeah, it'd be a totally different culture, I think, at Indiana if we had a good football team. Because I mean, we we tailgated every Saturday without fail, but never lost a tailgate. Lost to tailgate, but you never never really go to games. I mean, I went to a handful of games, honestly, when there was a good opponent that we were playing. But by and large, you you normally go to the bars right after the tailgates, and you'll watch the game on TV. But it's not worth going into the the stadium. That's got to be different now at this point, though. I mean, if we're if we're a top ten team out after the end of this year, and we're we're heading into next year, and we're in a similar position, I would go to every game. Probably. Um. Yeah. So before we get to our guest, just a quick update. We're on day 13 of No Dairy December, and it feels like I've been doing this for two years. Um, It really does feel like a while. It's definitely very challenging, um, but I feel really good. I do feel really good, and I'm excited to see how I feel after the next 31 days, but uh, I've just been thinking about Illuminati's deep dish probably like 10 to 15 times a day. Um, but I'm learning a lot and I feel good. And now I know how Sam feels all the time. How's your gut health? Gut health I, is good. I, I feel really good. People sometimes think that gut health is directly linked to mental health. So if you're, you're putting good in, then and you're getting good out, then your your mental health might be in a better spot. I will say I definitely feel like less sluggish. I definitely feel more awake. And when I'm going to the gym, I just, I don't have that like extra like weight or like from just like all the dairy kind of like weighing me down. You know what I mean? Well, you don't know what I mean, but some of the viewers might know what I mean. How's your 40 time? Is it improved? My 40 time is I'm running, uh, I'm running like a four seven. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I'm not running a four seven. I'm not, I have no idea what my forty time is, but we should maybe run a forty one day. I think if I had to call it, mine would probably be in the five second range. 
Yeah, it'd probably be in the it'd probably be in the five second range. I knew if I said four three, you'd be like, no way. If I said four seven, you're like, well, you're like, maybe he is really fast, but I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I think five seconds is even optimistic for me. So realistically, if I had to call it, probably five five and a half. Yeah, probably something around there. With Derry, though, it might be in the six-second range. So yeah, for sure. You but, actually are able to test both both theories. I'm I'm kind of just stuck in the non-Derry camp. I'll never know. It'll just be yeah. a theoretical forty time with Derry. But but day thirteen, um, I'm almost halfway there. I'm really excited to finish this up. But I'm learning a lot. I'm learning about different foods. And I feel better. So if anyone out there is like looking to challenge themselves, I, I recommend trying to drop dairy for a little. Like I said, it's hard, but it is rewarding. Um, we got a great guest today. We got Ben Stein coming on, talking about coaching hockey, um, adversity, uh, the amphibious land assault into Carl Lamb's office. Yeah, Ben was a great guest. And without further ado, we welcome on Ben Stein. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, good friend of the program, GBN hockey legend, Ben Stein. Ben, welcome on and happy Hanukkah. Fellas, thank you. Happy Hanukkah. Appreciate uh, appreciate the kind words. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to chat with you guys. It's been a minute. Do you, uh, you want to take the tough questions now or, or later? You know, let's just get him out of the way here. What, what was it like to lose to Nutrier in uh, hockey in high school? It was absolutely heartbreaking, especially at the United Center. Um, you know, they're they're a good hockey team. They uh, they definitely beat me their fair share of times. But uh, now I'm coaching and getting some revenge here. So boys are helping me with that. I think a lot of us know, you know, how passionate you are about hockey. And, you know, in, in college – a pie or we had dropped the puck which was a fraternal hockey tournament and a pie was not in it um we tried to get into it one year and that was a disaster and we could talk about that later but you really put a pie hockey on the map you were the one that got the fundraising or whatever we needed to to get it going and then you were the one that organized the team and you played so you know how, how did you get behind all of that? How was it done? Yeah, man. Um, it was awesome. That was one of the coolest things I've done in college for sure. Uh, obviously hockey super important to me. It's been, you know, my life for basically my entire life. Now that I'm coaching, uh, I'm still a huge part of it. So it just seemed like an awesome thing to do. Um, reminded me a lot of kind of like the Glenbrook North, Glenbrook South game. That's kind of what it reminded me of, but college edition. So it was absolutely sick. And it was also raising money for charity, which was awesome. So um, you know, I had buddies in like beta who, who kind of were super involved. They were on the exec board and stuff. So I chatted with them and they're like, yeah, we'd love to have you. You just had to talk to Carl. And, um, we all know how, <laughs> I guess we'll just bring it up that we marched into his office and basically like demanded to talk to him and that A5B in this, um, ended up developing a really good, uh, relationship with Carl. Um, raising a ton of money. Unfortunately, we lost both games, but just like the passion everyone brought, um, the whole house being there, just being absolutely insanely rowdy with like fat heads of the boys. That was definitely two of my favorite nights of college. Um, and like I said, raising money for charity too. The craziest part about it all is that 
the money raised every year was for the American Brain Tumor Association. And my dad ended up getting a brain tumor and passing away. So it's like I was raising money for something that I didn't know was going to affect me. And we raised so much money for that good cause. So that's just like a crazy life moment. Like I was raising all this money for something I had no idea would affect me later. So definitely awesome. Um, unbelievable memories from that. Even just like the practice games. But really what I'll never forget is just looking into the stands and seeing all the boys there. That is just absolutely incredible. So very good stuff there. Your dad was also able to see you at the game, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm sure that must absolutely. have been quite a moment for you guys. Yeah, 100%, both games. And that's actually something Carl said to me uh, when my dad passed. He actually contacted me on Facebook, and he's like, it's so special that your dad was like able to see you play. Um, he's like, he was your biggest fan. He's the only parent I saw at both games. Like, and that, that, I don't know, it's kind of, that's why I love hockey so much is because of my dad. Um, so more than happy, uh, you know, I talked to some of the AEPI guys there now and I was like, let's get you guys back in it. Like, they're not in it anymore, which sucks. And so um, I think Carl was willing to let AEPI back in um, due to the circumstances. But we'll um, see. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, was, your father was your hockey coach at one point, correct? Yeah, he did coach me at one point in my career. Yeah, but not like my like main coach. So... Speaking of Carl Lamb and, and letting us into drop the puck, I do I do need to mention this. So 2015, we weren't in it, but we were trying to get the AEPI house into drop the puck. There was an established group of houses that were in this charity game and, and we wanted in. And I remember there was a pretty big push internally to try to coerce, shall we say, Carl Lamb, who, who ran the event into letting us in. And we, we came up with the idea of having bit of an invasion of his office i would say the <laughs> land assault at the bay of pigs and the land assault of carl lamb's office are, are two of the least successful uh interventions in amphibious <laughs> land assaults ever yeah so we went into his office and there was a bit of a i wouldn't say a standoff let's say of an, an exchange of words in which i felt very uncomfortable being in the background <laughs> what happened <laughs> what, what what went wrong because we right, didn't so- get in First off, I was, uh, I think this was my, this is my second year at school. So, I mean, cause whatever, I went to two years community college. So I guess you can call it my junior year, but it was my second year at IU. And like, I wasn't like that established in the house. Like I, I was athletic chair, but that's really all I was. Um, this should be before like I a pretty big role, ben. Yeah, I guess I wasn't even <laughs> pudge master yet, but so I'm talking to Cody reef and he's like, yeah, dude, this you got to talk to this Carl Lamb guy. I'm like, well, where do we find him? He's like, here's his office. And I'd look at him and I'm like, I'm going to the house and I'm getting all the boys to march into his office. Like, this is going to be like movie shit. This is going to be so epic. Cody's (laughs) like, I would not do that if I were you. And I was like, dude, I'm fucking doing it. And he's like, all right, I'm just telling you it's not a good idea. And ended up, it worked. So did we, did we get in that year? We did. Oh, that was the year that we got in. Yeah. We played in it two years. Yeah, that was the year we got in. Oh, I, I was so, under the impression for some reason that that didn't work. It worked. No. So it didn't work at the time. They literally said, you are interrupting our meeting extremely rudely. You need to get out. And then we left. But Carl ended up giving me a call. And he said, he's like, I like your passion. Like this and that. <laughs> and I ended up working for Carl. Like I ended up working for Collegiate Charities like for a bit. <laughs> so it worked. That's unreal. Yeah, it was good. That is for sure. That is cool. I yeah, I remember it being extremely uncomfortable. I remember, 
I mean, it was so long ago, but like I remember like him giving all the the heat to Cody Reef at the time. Oh, for sure. And he was just laying in the auto, and I was like, I'm not really sure what's going on. Cody was the guy that Carl knew though at the time, right? So any sort of reprimanding would have gone towards Cody. So So you were just sort of hiding behind him. Exactly. I was like, I spoke my mind, said whatever I needed to say, and I got rewarded for it, and Cody got bashed for it. Wow. So shout out to you, Cody Reef. I'm not sure where you are, dog, but shouts out to you. I think he's in Chicago. Uh uh. Yeah, he is. Electric. Give him a call. I'll t- I'll text him thank you tonight. You owe him at least a beer. Yeah, that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll grab a drink, Cody, if you listen to this. Only if you listen to it though. Yeah, so we, we got into the drop the puck though, and you compared it to high school hockey, which and I'll I'll admit this as a Californian, I know really nothing about. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank high school hockey in Chicago, at least, since that's what you know? compared to a football or, or a basketball or, or a more established, uh, I guess, nationwide sport? Yeah. Um, so Illinois high school hockey is freaking incredible. Um, really good competition here. Uh, it's like, to me, it's like East Coast, Michigan, and Illinois. That's like for high school hockey. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, is a, they're, that's a totally different story. Um, they're in their own level. They're the kids... Kids from Minnesota who play high school hockey make the NHL. Um, so um, I would say, at least at like GBN at my school, I, it's arguably the most popular sport. And I would say, Ari, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, winning state championships a ton of years, that's that gets attention. Um, yeah. And the really cool thing about the uh, Illinois state title, for at least for hockey, I don't know where they play the football, and I think they play <clears throat> they play basketball at like Bradley or Illinois State in Peoria or Bloomington. So it's not as big, but like they play it they play it at the United Center uh, on the same ice the Blackhawks play. Who, when we were in high school, were winning we're winning titles. So it, it's pretty it's pretty hype. Um, hockey at my high school, Nutrier. I mean, arguably one of the best teams uh, in the state. Stein knows that firsthand. Uh, Thank you. They were they're a very good team. They were winning titles while I was there. It, yep. It's hype. It, high school hockey is pretty hype. It's it's so and the thing is it's not a school sport. It's not an IHSA sport. So it gets real rowdy in the stands on the ice. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest thing is you grow up. You know, I, I was in seventh. In eighth grade, I saw GBN go back to back at the United Center, and I like looked at my dad and I'm like, "Yo, I want to play here." And then fast forward three years later to my junior year of high school, I'm playing in front of over ten thousand people there, so ten thousand two hundred nine to be exact. But we took the L to Ari school, but it's a moment I'll never forget till the day I die. And I really just want to be able to, you know, give my kids that I coach that moment. Um, you know, that's that's really why I coach is for these kids, and they all deserve to you know, have that moment, hopefully going out on top, which I think we'll be doing a lot while I'm coaching at GBM. So before the pandemic struck, you guys were in the middle of the playoffs, right? Yeah, we actually, so uh, I mentioned how drop the puck was kind of like, I called it the North-South game, Glenbrook North versus Glenbrook South. Every year, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, it's been a tradition for God knows how long. Um, Glenbrook North plays Glenbrook South. Uh, thousands of people go, you know, they hit capacity and 
GBN's actually won 15 years in a row. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen this year, but we were about to play Glenbrook South in the final four. So biggest rivalry in the state, I would say, maybe besides green and gold, and it got canceled. A chance to go to the United Center against your arch rivals, and it got canceled. So um, my kids, my seniors, that they walked off the ice not even knowing that was uh, going to be their last game, and the season just ended like that, canceled, over, done. And it's unfortunate, and a lot of people kind of forget about it, especially at the high school and collegiate level. Um, you know, professionals were able to either the NBA was playing in a bubble, the NFL wasn't going on, the MLB was able to start at a different time. But for a lot of high school and collegiate kids, if you were a senior, it was over. Like your season was over, yep. there was no tournament, and then you were done. And it, it's super unfortunate that it happened. Um, yeah, yep. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, that's really what it is. Like, I can't say anything besides it's unfortunate because there's nothing, anything could have been done. Like, literally three, four days after they canceled the state tournament, like, things all hell broke loose. So there really was nothing that could be done. What did you say to the seniors at that point? Because, I mean, I could only imagine the emotions that they must have had at that point. Yeah, honestly, so being a kid who played for GBN, like, I'm able to really connect with the kids. Uh, Our head coach, Evan Polakidis, an assistant, Paul Gogger, um, I played under them too. So I usually always have a situation that I can compare it to. I'm like, oh, I've been there. I've done that, playing for the same school, playing under the same coaches. But honestly, I just told them um, that I loved them and that I, I, I don't possibly know how they feel. I can't compare any of my situations to them. Um, that they should be proud of what they've done. They've set a great example um, for you know the younger guys and all the kids to come. Uh, in the next, you know, 15, 20, 30 years and just, you know, be proud. That's really all I could tell them. Um, there's nothing to make them feel better. There's, you know, their careers just ended because of a global pandemic. So that was that. It was tough. Um, hopefully, you know, some we get this vaccine and it works really well um, and we could see, we could have a state championship at the United Center. That, that's really what I'm hoping, um, especially for our seniors, like you just said, um, I'm hoping we get a state championship somewhere, but at the United Center would be freaking awesome for these kids. No fan state championship. Would you take that at the United Center? I'll take a state championship anywhere, no matter where it is. Um, Like I said, it's what these kids deserve. Um, So no matter where it is, I'll take it. So you got your nine to five and then you are coaching hockey afterwards. Like how do you, how do you keep the energy up and how do you stay motivated? It's a lot. It really is a lot. Um, And I knew that, you know, when I got into coaching, um, I knew that it was going to be a ton, you know, um, that do have to sacrifice a lot. But in the end, it really is worth it. Like the thing I've talked about this whole time is just the kids. And that's really why I do it. Um, They're all unbelievable kids, you know. Um, And yeah, I just want to see them have a great high school experience like I did. Um, Playing for GBN is something that's super special. And, um, so really, that's really is what I do. I do it for the kids. Um, you know, just working hard, you know, nine to five, I, I, I work very hard. Um, it's like for my family, I guess you can say just, you know, with my dad being gone, want to help out as much as I can. So I really work as hard as I can for like my mom and my brother. And then when I get to the rink, it's, it's really all for the kids. So it gets to be a lot sometimes, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's for sure. I think they would probably draw a lot of inspiration from you too. 
And that has to kind of be a symbiotic relationship at that point where you kind of are both feeding off one another. hundred percent. I mean, these kids showed up to uh, my dad's funeral in their jerseys. Like it was a super special moment. Uh, the guy I coach with Evan um, Pulakitis, he's, he was my dad's best friend. They, uh, you know, every grade from kindergarten through college went together um, and then opened a business together. So he really is like, uh, he's like my dad now. So we have a really cool relationship, um, you know, like off the ice, but also on the ice. It's kind of like as close as it can come to father, son. So. So you played at GBN, you're currently coaching at GBN. It sounds like it's something you've always wanted to do. Do you have any aspirations to take your coaching beyond GBN? Would you want to take it to a next level, a collegiate level, move up? Even though it sounds like this is really what you want to do, if the opportunity was there, hypothetically speaking. No, for sure. Uh, And it's funny you say it sounds like this is what I want to do. Like, it's the dream. It's what I've always wanted to do. Obviously, growing up, you want to be in the NHL. (laughs) But at some point, you realize, I'm not going to the NHL. And then, you know, you want to play college. I decided not to play college. Um, or I decided not to play juniors. And then I've always just like, this is so sick. I, I, it really comes back to my love for GB and hockey. I want to be a part of it. And obviously I can't play at, at, at 26 years old. So coaching is the next best, best thing to be in this program. Um, if I had the opportunity to coach at a collegiate level, I 100% would. Um, I'm not sure how that would happen, but if the opportunity – came um my first goal is to be like the the head varsity coach after evan um whenever him and paul leave that's my goal is to be the next varsity coach so i would definitely have to do that before doing anything but yeah that'd be awesome to coach at at the next level and you got to get that title before you before you ever leave oh i'll be getting that title i i have a lot of skill i have a ton of trust in the boys they're gonna they're gonna get it done for years to come and we can refer so, to this podcast um, after we win like five, ten titles. We'll bring the whole team on. Exactly. <laughs> Mark our words. So, so Ben, um, I played a few high school sports and had a handful of coaches. They all kind of had different personalities. Some assistants I vibed with, some head coaches I vibed with. What would you say is kind of your demeanor on the ice as a coach? Are you a player's coach? Are you someone that's like Herb Brooks and, yeah, and Miracle? So. Like, what are you what are you doing out there? Definitely, I definitely say I was a players coach. Or I am a players coach. Um, kind of the reason I was brought on was just to be able to connect with these kids. I started it three years ago. I was 20, 23, 24. Um, you know, so only like five years older than some of the kids. Um, so I'm definitely a players coach. Um, but the kids do know. Like, we have a very good relationship. We have a different relationship than you know you would have with with a coach that is older. But, you know, my whole thing is if I'm going to, you know, if I believe in you, you got to believe in me. So, you know, don't let me down. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll defend you I'll, for whatever it is, but I'll always tell you when you're right. I'll always tell you when you're wrong. Um, you know, as a coach, there's no point of just telling someone they're doing great the entire time. That's just detrimental to the team and, um, you know, detrimental to the player. To, you got to fix mistakes. So I would definitely say I'm a player's coach. Um and yeah, I, I don't know. I just love what I do. I could talk about it all day, honestly. Are there that's, any? That's good. That's why we brought you on. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any coaches that you take inspiration from that you try to emulate? Yeah. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'd look up to, like I just talked about the relationship I have with Evan, who's the head coach. Um, as 
he's just he's a hockey guy. He's a straight hockey guy. He doesn't matter who you know, who you are. You know, he takes the best players. He plays the best players. Um, and he genuinely cares about these kids. Like, uh, and same with Paul Gogger. Um, Paul Snug's one of my best friends. But um, they both just care about the kids so much. They've been doing this for, I don't even, 30 plus years for sure. Um, and yeah, so I definitely look to them for inspiration. Um, they coached me my senior year. They, they coached at our school. So they grew up coaching us in the Northbrook program. And they went to a different high school um, to coach, which we just had a disgusting rivalry with. And then my senior year, our coach departed, we can call it. Um, and they came over for my senior year. And it was just, again, with St. Vider, Ari, they coached okay. Vider. My senior year was just an absolute bloodbath every time we played Vider because they're like, they took our coaches, this and that, didn't lose a game to them all year. Um, and it was awesome. So yeah, I definitely look to them. Um, obviously I look at a guy like Quenville who brought all those Stanley cups, um, to Chicago. He was a total players coach. He, he was a hardo, but you can tell the guys absolutely loved him. Um, and I think it all just starts about caring with caring about each other off the ice. And, um, it, it's so important, especially at the collegiate and high school level and also the pro level, but it's so important to have a good coach. And, and the fact that like, you get to come out there and just like set an example and set the tone to children like must must make you feel good really in a sense especially when you when you're seeing results and when you're winning 100 percent, man um you know these kids know and we have another coach rob schmidt um he's our goalie coach he he's my age uh he played a vider so we had some good games against him um he uh he got brought on two years ago so my first year it was just me evan and paul now it's me evan paul and we call him schmitty um he's another he's just an absolute goalie genius um it's really crazy he's able to you know having younger coaches were able to use technology unlike any other um program in the state and being goalie like a goalie coach is just so technical just because it's not like go out there hit people stuff like that um it's a very technical position and what he's able to do with these kids he's turned them into studs um so want to shout out to him for sure um but yeah it's uh it's great. Like I said, I love what I do. Just being able to set an example for these kids, just be a good person, um, do well in school. And like, I, you guys know my story. I screwed around all of high school. And so I use myself as an example is don't do that. Like if you want to go to community college, that's fine. Then you can go ahead and do that. But if that's not something you aspire to do, you know, bust your ass in school and don't do what I did. So, you know, even using myself as a, as an example of what not to do, that's just kind of something I bring. Um, like I said, just be a good person. Y'all know me. I'm always, I'm usually a happy dude. Um, and obviously been through some shit, but that's not going to change me from uh, being a good person and just like aspiring other people to be good people. Have you ever made them say who they play for at any point? <laughs> nah, it's such a move. It's such a move. And maybe one day I'll pull it out. But I watched Miracle the other day. It was just so great. It's nothing. It's just American. I love hockey and I love America. And that movie just gets me so fired up. Like, I, I don't think there's a movie that gets me as fired up as that. Because and it's, it's a true story. Exactly. Because we love sports and we love America and you combine the two and it, what, nothing beats it. It's just impossible. Yeah. Um, that movie is pretty much my complete exposure to hockey. So anything hockey, I just <laughs> reference back to Miracle. And you don't realize how lucky you are. <laughs> <laughs> 
to, to have that. <laughs> that's what you think hockey is. That, that's all you got to know, Manny. That's all you got to know. It's a lot of guys throwing tennis balls and, and puking on the ice and yep. all that. That's it. That's exactly what my high school kids are like. <laughs> hockey guys are also just like a different breed. Like, For sure. like compared to the rest of the professional athletes, I feel like they're so much more down to earth. And, and, and also, but the, but they're grinders. They, they really get after it on the ice, and they're not afraid to get in someone's face when you hit a teammate after the whistle. 100%. Uh, they're for the boys, and you, you know that. So, uh, yeah, hockey guys are absolute animals. And, um, but like you said, I think it's very different if you look at all the professional athletes and you look at hockey guys. Um, it's all about we, not I. And that's what I preach to the boys. It's not an I thing. It's a we thing um be about the team so and that's life too just be about the boys be about your family like your girlfriend boyfriend whatever it is like don't be selfish that's just like the one thing yeah and i can't quote the exact same number uh, the exact numbers from this but i remember the blackhawks won uh, a title the same year the miami heat won a title and there was like some meme and but it was true jonathan tays like in his like speech when he won the MVP for the Stanley cup, I think he said, um, we like 36 times and then it compared it. Oh, and he said, I zero times. And then LeBron James said, yep. like, I like 40 times and <laughs> we like five or six. I don't know the exact numbers, but there's a big difference. Um, would you consider yourself a scrapper? I've dropped the gloves one time in men's league. We were playing a kid from Loyola <laughs> who I just did not like. And I remember I just hit him so hard in the back of the leg, just two-handed him, full baseball swing in the back of the leg. And he turned around and he punched me. And I'm like, this, I've always wanted to drop the gloves. This is it. And dropped him, ripped his helmet off, and just clocked him two or three times. <laughs> got him to the ice. And then we both went to the ice. And, like, the rule of hockey is, like, yeah, when you're on the ice, like, when you, when you guys are both down or one of you is down, no more punches thrown. So I, like, let up my guard. And he fucking rocked me in the face when I was laying on the ice and I was lucky like all right that was kind of dope like at least I took a punch so and then his uncle tried to like fight some of my players it was nuts hockey gets really chippy I think even more so than football for Definitely. sure yeah I love it it's it's the best when you dropped the gloves on the ice was that just like the biggest thrill that you had? Oh, it was so, I was so ready to go. It's never happened. Like you can, if you do it in high school hockey, you'll get suspended for a long ass time. Um, yeah, I was ready. I'm like, I'm going to get kicked out of the game. I'm for sure getting suspended, but I really fucking don't like this kid. Um, I'm dropping the mitts. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that they allow fighting in the NHL, but then you can't fight in a men's league. I feel like a men's league is a, a good venue for that kind of thing. Right? It's great. I mean, if they allowed f- fighting in men's league, I'm sure they'd get more fans. They could probably even charge admission to see a bunch of like college kids or like old dudes or like young adults just scrapping, and they're probably drunk. Like that's hype. Yeah, and I, I just remember from going to like hockey games, like whether it's growing up or you know past years you go and every time you go you're like i i, I want to see a fight like it's part absolutely. of absolutely they're trying to abolish it it's not going to get abolished like it's part of the sport exactly you, if you're like one of your teammates gets absolutely dummied you're going out there and you're fighting them doesn't matter who you are you're dropping the mitts and you're chucking nuts <laughs> i feel like in a way it almost 
keeps the game safer in a in a backwards way because there's consequences if you do something dirty. Exactly. So you can't go after somebody and, and target them unfairly because you know somebody's going to come after you in return. A million percent. I mean, there's dudes who make millions of dollars literally just for fighting. Like, they're like, okay, if he gets hit, you're going on the ice and you're fighting that guy. Like, that's awesome. Daniel Carcillo. Yeah, Carbomb, the man. One thing you talked about earlier was kind of how you use your your past mistakes to, to motivate your players. You talked about, you know, community college and messing around in school. How much of that, like, motivates you to just, like, be better now? No, it's uh, it'll always motivate me. Um, you know, it, school was never a priority for me. Even, you know, when I was in, like, first grade, my teachers were just like, this kid really doesn't care. And um, it's not it's not a great decision. Um, but I don't think my life would be even nearly the same. And that, that's in a bad way if I didn't go to community college, cause I think I needed to do a lot of growing up and, um, my credit, my parents, I mean, they, uh, um, you know, I definitely wasn't an easy decision for them. Like I got into school, so it's not like I didn't have any places to go. I got into numerous schools. Um, but my parents always told me, if you don't try, we're not sending you away. And I know that wasn't an easy thing for them to, number one, like, see me, like, depressed and, like, upset that I went from, like, you know, being a captain of the hockey team and having a bunch of friends and having a girlfriend, this and that, to really not having a ton of people because they're all away at college, even my twin brother. So um, it motivates me to this day. And like I said, I have my parents to thank for that. Um, you know, and, and my brother. My brother... I got to mention him at some point in this. He's the fucking man. Um, he's my twin Jarhead. brother. He's, exactly. Jarhead. He's my twin brother. He's like 6'4", like 230. He's an absolute monster, but he's like the nicest kid ever. I know it's like cliche to say about like a family member, but like anybody who knows Jarhead, like he's just the nicest dude ever. He's always supporting me. Like, um, you know, we're super, super close, but I think ever even since my dad passed away, we've gotten even closer. Um, so yeah, I just want to shout out Jarhead because he's the goat how do you use that to motivate you now i guess having that experience like what do you what do you take away from that yeah i mean just work hard in everything you do and like realize like 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 my teachers like if my boss like works says something or like my director whoever it is like take what they say seriously like they're just trying to help you um and just work hard i mean i've always been a hard worker it just in school i really didn't care for whatever reason so, um, you know, like I said, if you want to go to community college, you want to go to trade school or just go right into work, that's totally fine. And like, I don't think that should be hated on. Like, I think a lot of people see that as like, oh, he's going to work right out of high school like this. Do what you want to do, but work hard at whatever you do. And, you know, to me, love whatever you do. I don't I think if you don't love your job, then you should probably go look elsewhere. So. And it sounds like you love what you're doing. Yeah, so I, I love coaching with all my heart, um, but I also love my my nine to five job. I really care about their people. It's a smaller company, but you know, throughout this whole pandemic and throughout everything I've gone through, they've been super supportive. Um, so it's good stuff. Do you motivate your coworkers the same way that you motivate your players? It's really funny. Um, I do. So at my last job, I was a sales manager, so that actually like was my job, like motivate the team. Uh, now I'm like a business development rep and, um, yeah, I'm just like a, I'm a big encouraging guy. Like it's, it's sales is tough, man. 
you're having a bad month. There's nobody that can help you besides yourself. So I just like the people at work call me coach just because like I'm always just motivating people, trying to keep them going and stuff like that. So, and other, other funny thing is they all know about GBN hockey. Like even if they're not from Chicago, like they all know about GBN hockey. Like I talk about the kids so much um, that they like know the players, like they know who we're playing, like they know the schedule and everything. So it's like, it's hilarious. I love it. But I think it just goes to show how passionate I am about it and how proud I am of it. Um, so, you know, as someone who works in sales as well, like, you know, they build it out as like, oh, it's this whole team thing. And it is, but it's also dog eat dog. Like you need to, yep. you need to feed yourself. You're trying to win that client. Fuck the guy sitting next to you. That's your account. Like, <laughs> and you're, and you're a scrapper. So it probably serves you well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's tough. Like you love everyone you work with at the end of the day, you need to hit your numbers. So it's like, oh my God, I am competing against them. So sales is tough, but I, it's, it's great. It's an absolute grind and I love the grind. So there's got to be something in the rising tide lifts all boats and the things though with sales or is it zero sum? What do you mean? Like, can you all win or are you like actually competing with the person next to you? Uh, I mean like, yo, like in sale, like unless everybody gets the same amount of sales every month. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know what I mean? Like someone, someone wins a month. Someone yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, that, I, I was thinking about it differently. You, yeah, you're, you're supposed to, you you celebrate everyone's success, which is like what you do in like any job. But like, you know, the guy next to you stayed an extra hour, made a call, landed an account that you could have gotten, and now he's getting the commission for it, and and you're just sitting there with your thumb up your ass. So like, yeah, it is. It, it could be like very doggy dog, and 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 you got to hit your numbers to make a living. No participation trophies? No. And sorry, you, I was so, know if y'all could hear me chewing, but I was mucking some flaming hot Cheetos. So you, don't, you don't give out participation trophies, do you, Stein? Nah, I mean, thanks for coming, but you're not going to get a trophy for it. GBN's going to get the trophy, it's I believe. Fake. Yes, Manny. I mean, yeah, uh, let's run it up. I'm, uh, we'll see if we really have like, a true season. We'll see what happens, but yeah. I will 100% cheer for you guys against Nutria as well. Just know that. See, and that's why, like, I love this. That's why I love what I do because, like, it brings – so it connects all the alumni back. Like, obviously, I know the kids my age, kids years younger, years older, and now they're more connected to GBN hockey. Um, and, the, you know, I have kids texting me who didn't really care, you know, too much about GBN hockey after they graduated, but now I have kids texting me after games like, yo, how would you guys do? Did you win? Like, or, yo, I heard this kid's really, really awesome or really sick. So, and then you have kids who went to the rival school, like I will root for you. So that's also, why I love it. It's, it's just special. It brings people together um, and converts, uh, converts people to the good side. Yeah. High school sports are interesting. Cause I mean, you could play on a team, but then as soon as you're done with it, if you have no more connection to the team, it doesn't really matter. Like I don't really keep track of any of the teams I played on in high school, mm -hmm. but if somebody I knew coached, I would definitely be way more engaged with it. So it's nice that people are able to kind of, keep up that enthusiasm through you hundred percent um and the, the cool thing about hockey and it's unlike any other sport is especially for gbn um the northwick blue hawks is like a feeder program so we all have played with each other from when we were five all the way through when we we're 18 
Um, obviously, you have a couple kids from like out of town um, that that just decide to play for like Northbrook or another program. But it's the same core from when you start skating to you know when you're when you're taking your last last shift as a Glenbrook North hockey player. So that's the other thing is there really is a bond that no other sport can have just because not everyone plays together from such a young age. Yeah, it's super unique. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit, or already brought up the Minnesota hockey mm-hmm. previously. I will admit the one other thing that I know about hockey is the Minnesota state hair competition <laughs> that they have. And I'm totally butchering the name of it, but basically it's a, a every year at the Minnesota state hockey championships, they have an all hair team. And there's this mm-hmm. guy that narrates, um, these kids skating out onto the ice and they all have pretty good flow and then they just whip it back <laughs> to the camera. Is there anything like that in the pipeline in Illinois or, or do kids in Illinois not really have the flow the way they do up in, uh, up North? That's so funny. Yeah, no, those are hilarious, but they don't have for high school hockey. They don't, but I know when I was coaching like the youth level, there was like a competition for best hair. It wasn't like you skate, you're on TV and you get skated out, you know, and you, you flow the, the locks for the camera but there was like there was pictures online and like you people genuinely voted for like who had the best hair and the kid was like 12 years old <laughs> that's not weird at all yeah yeah i, I just remember i remember one of the announcers was like those boys for me dino got some nice lettuce uh but so i've i've actually been uh right so xl energy center is where the wild play and it's where they have the mm-hmm. state title game and i was there during the state title game with Sparker joining the boys. And so there's a stretch of bars in St. Paul right outside the stadium. Um, And it was absolutely packed. And we wanted to go to the game too, because it's like supposed to be a hell of an experience. And it was sold out. out. Yeah. And and you guys said that you played in front of 10,000 people at the United Center, which I think holds 22,000, 23,000. You guys are, you know, filling up the bottom, the bottom bowl, and then maybe some of the second level. But we're talking about a full professional full stadium sold out for high school hockey, and all the bars outside were packed. It was mad. That's it was a good time, but hockey up there is just totally different. It is just a it's different. It's a different Minnesota may as well be Canada, from all I'm concerned. Like, no, it's just I mean, seriously, that's what it's like. That's so sick. And like growing up, I watched all the videos at the XL Energy Center. Um, you know, YouTube just completely selling that place out as, you know, some kids are 14 years old. Like, to me, that's absolutely insane. I think about playing in front of, you know, the 10,000 I played in front of. It, that's nothing. I mean, Minnesota high school hockey is so sick. But, um, you know, Illinois holds their own. That We've uh, Illinois high school hockey puts together like a showcase team. So the best players from each team go out um, and compete against other teams in the, in the country and they haven't lost a game. I don't think in two years, Illinois went, I think four and out twice. So definitely hold their own. Um, don't, don't sleep on Illinois high school hockey. I want to circle back to the hair just cause I can't get over it. Why, <laughs> why, why do hockey players like hair so much? What is it? I don't know. It's more of like a, I think it's like a new thing. Not new, but, I mean, when we were playing or when I was playing, it wasn't, like, very prominent. Um, you wanted to have some flow, but, it, like, I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea how it started. Um, hockey players are just, like, nuts. I think that's really all I can say on that. 
Um, in the NHL right now, at least during the Stanley Cup playoffs, a lot of teams do rally beards or they don't they don't cut their hair at all. Do any of your when you guys are going through the state title? I know you said you didn't really do it when you played, but are any of your kids at least trying to go some semblance of a beard or, or just letting it ride? All right, so this is this is a different story. Like playoff beards, we did that shit. The hockey okay. hair, not really. Playoff beards, oh yeah. I mean, especially me. <laughs> it's like I was one of the only ones who could actually grow, like let alone a beard, like a full blown thick beard. Like I've y'all have seen me in college, or you see me now. Like this, this is what it was like in high school. Seriously. So, um, yeah, the boys do it. Some of them just like it looks. They have like five hairs on their face, but nah, it's definitely a thing. Um, playoff start, you don't shave till you lose, and you're done. How do you grow a beard? Asking for a friend, <laughs> dude. It itches though. I don't know. Like everyone's like you. Oh, I love your beard. It's so full and this and that. But it itches, and you gotta like take care of it, or else you look like a caveman, which sometimes I do. So. I never grew a beard in college. I never even really thought about it. And then I was in Australia and I didn't have any razors and I kind of just let it ride for a couple weeks and I came back and ever since January, 2019, I've been, I've been rolling with the beard and it doesn't itch as much for me. You don't have the volume though. Stein got solid. That's a solid half inch at least. (laughs) not longer. Oh, I, I don't let it get that big. I just let it get full. Stein, I was terrified of kids like you in high school who had full beard. Yeah, I have the full beard. Yeah. And you played hockey, so like you had a full beard and you played hockey. Like I just, I just wanted to walk the opposite direction when I saw you. Yep, that's that, that's the mantra on me. Big scary tough guy. You would have ate my lunch guy. in high school. <laughs> that's unreal. Nah, I'd never do that to you, Manny. What is it like hanging out with high school kids these days? What are they like? <laughs> give us, give us the inside look into the modern 17, okay, 18 so- year old. So for anyone tuning in now, I'm a hockey coach. I don't just hang out with high school kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks for clarifying. But you do spend more time with high school kids than most of the people we know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 100%. So I don't know, man. They're very – it's a different day and age. Like, the internet's so prominent. Like, these kids are savages. They really are. And, like – I, I don't need to know certain things. I don't want to know certain things, um, you know, but I don't, these kids are just nuts. Love them. They're great. It's just a different day and age. I think with phones and like, obviously phones are prominent when we were in high school, but like growing, they've, these kids have had phones their entire lives. Like I had like a flip phone when I was like in junior high school, but just having like a full blown iPhone from when you're like 10 and up, like that's nuts. To me, that's nuts. Do you are any, your, are any of your uh, kids uh, big on TikTok? Yeah, a lot of them are. I love that. <laughs> I love TikTok. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it's nuts. I mean, it, the way I look at it, and this is the best way I can explain it. When we were in high school, we'd go up to a girl and be like, yo, can I get your number? These kids are like, yo, can I get your snap? I've seen videos of kids getting their Snapchats through windows at bars and stuff. And that's never really resonated with me, but there, that's literally, that's all I really have to say about that subject is that's, that is the difference. It's like, we're not even asking for numbers anymore. We're asking for snaps. That's the biggest, that's, that's these kids. That's how I can explain it for you. Is it hard to get them to focus ever? Do you ever find that, I guess, like attention is different? Like, are they on their phones in between periods or anything like that? 
that shit pisses me off and not too many kids do it but like right after a game like when i won i was going in the locker room and selling with the boys some of these kids go out and grab their phones and i'm like selling with the boys what do you mean so i don't think focus is is a big issue i mean but talking about like being on your phones and stuff definitely it it is crazy because like for us at least we were i feel like we were kind of at the tail end of before social media like infiltrated like younger children's lives like if you know what i mean like facebook kind of got big in the mid 2000s there was myspace before that but if you had myspace you were just like a wacko creep myspace was sick (laughs) and uh you know when we were in high school instagram started to kind of pop up and then and then snapchat and then by the time we were in college it was like more of a thing but like a lot of these kids now are getting Snapchats and Instagrams and TikToks when they're like 10, 11, 12 yeah. years old. And by the time they come into high school, like people know them and like, it's a problem. Like a lot of people have, it's a real thing. Like people just get so addicted to their phone because they're so addicted. Yeah. I mean, I love my phone. Don't get me wrong. And like, I probably use it more than I should, but I don't live on my phone, I wouldn't say. Um, Like I said, I had a flip phone when I was in, like, I think sixth or seventh grade. Like, that's when I got my first phone. These kids are in, like, second grade, like, iPhone, iPad, all this shit. Like, just have access to the world. We were out riding our bikes, like, ding-dong ditching people. (laughs) Like, that's... Now you can't ding-dong ditch people because of Ring. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's fucking cameras showing who did it. So... Um, I'm not like trying to like date us here. I'm like, oh, we're not theoretically we're not that much older than these kids. You know, some of them are 18 years old. Like, you know, we're 25, 26, 27. Um, but nah, it's a very different day and age for sure. Do you understand their memes? Oh my god, I have so, so my rule is you can't follow me on any social media um, until you're graduated. And so, like, that's, like, once you graduate, great. You hit the follow button on Instagram. I got the big one there. You can follow me on Snapchat. And some of my graduated kids send me shit. And I'm like, what? How is this funny? I don't get it. (laughs) And then they explain it. I'm like, that's still not funny at all. So, honestly, no, I don't think I understand them. It's wild how much of a gap there already is between millennials and what's now Gen Z. The zillennials, as some call them. It's like you look at like, you know, I'm 26 years old and you look like a 34, 35 year old. Like I would say we're kind of on the same page, a different. Obviously, most people are like probably married around that or something like that. But in terms of like the way we act, like I would say it's relatively the same. Maybe not me because I'm like not crazy mature, but <laughs> be mature at times. But uh, but then you look at like kids who are seven, eight years younger than us, like some of these high school kids. And it's like, holy shit. It's That's crazy. wild. It's wild. Do you find that they respond to the same same things that you responded to? Like, does the sport kind of transcend generation, or do you think that there's anything that you need to adapt? I guess to to fit them. It's a different. It's it's a really a different game. Like when I was playing, like I don't like if I was playing now with like the whole MJ like LeBron bit, I don't think I would have been very good. Now is a very skilled game. All these kids want it. so. I know you don't know hockey too much, Manny, but Ari, you'll get this, and I think you would, Manny. So, like, Kane and Taves and the Blackhawks, like, all these kids playing are, like, Kane and Taves babies. They grew up watching the Blackhawks be really fucking good. 
Meanwhile, me and Ari grew up watching the Blackhawks, not even watching the Blackhawks. Yeah. Because home games weren't even on TV when we were growing And they were TV. horrible. And they sucked. But home games weren't even on TV. So it's such a different day and age. When these kids were young, they were watching the Hawks win Stanley Cups. Now, if you don't, if the Hawks don't make the playoffs, it's a travesty. The Hawks didn't even sniff the playoffs when we were growing up. So yeah. even uh, the NHL is – oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Continue. Then I'll go. Even the NHL, it's like it's a way more skilled game. Like there's a lot more penalty, penalties called because it's not as physical. So like when I played, I was just out there, had no like regard for myself or for anybody. I would just throw my body out there. Hopefully don't fucking break my neck. But nowadays it's all about like going out there and like dangling and sniping, like stick handling, making a nice play and scoring. But still physicality, but I think it's a very different game. And that's not just high school. That's just hockey all around. So ba- basketball has always been my sport. That's just a sport I always wanted to play. Played a little baseball growing up as well. But like you said, the Hawks were terrible. I never watched hockey. I never even played hockey. Um, sometimes I would go to Friday night skate in like fifth and sixth grade or where all the kids it. were going. But, um, you know, once I got to high school and the, the Hawks were really good and they won that first cup in uh, 2010, you know, after watching the Hawks go through the playoffs and seeing Kane and Taze, it, it did make me want to play hockey, and I, I kind of missed the boat on it. I was already in high school, and I had never played before, so I didn't really like have the time to start. Even I mean, I could have, but I didn't. And uh, you know, a lot of these kids who are in high school now, at that time, you know, ten years ago, were in first, second, third grade. And they probably got a lot of motivation from that. And we're just like, I want to dad, I want to play hockey. And, and now they're playing hockey because of that, which, I, which I think is really cool. hundred percent. I think literally exactly what it is. You hit it on the head. God, these flaming hot Cheetos are fucking me up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't have any water in here either. And I'm not going outside. Um, that's a savage uh, move. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All these kids saw the Hawks win Stanley Cups. They're the best team in Chicago, and they want to play hockey, and here we are. So I'm glad to have them. In my room next door, uh, in my closet, I got skates and a stick. Can we do a skate around sometime? Let's get on the pond, dude. It's pond season. If you, Dude, just tell me when and where, and I'll come meet you. I, right. I would love to get on. I would be very bad and hold whatever team you have down, but – I'd love to just skate around. We'll we'll get it going. A little stick and puck action on the pond. Stein, as a seasoned skater, I need your input on on an experience that I had last year. It might have been two years ago at this point. Have you ever skated Maggie Daly Park? I have not, but I heard it's awesome. Okay, so let let me tell you about my experience there. So I don't know how to skate, but my girlfriend dragged me out there. And there's a bit of an elevation change. You have to kind of like go up a little hill and then you go down the hill. <laughs> and I'd never skated before and my skates didn't fit and everything was super uncomfortable and I had a tough time. Am I on, am I on the hook for that or am I off the hook for that? You know what? I'm going to say off the hook. I mean, when you learn to skate, we're not throwing fucking mountains in front of you or hills. Yeah. So, um, you know what? I'll teach you how to skate. If you, do you know now or do you, you still can't skate? Um, by the end, I was able to go down the downhill parts reasonably successfully, but I was I was pretty much riding the rail on the way up. It was embarrassing. Right. I was the worst <laughs> skater on the rink. I, I swear, I, there was nobody worse than me. 
that's hilarious but no we'll teach you you're off the hook though um yeah definitely <laughs> off the hook but we're gonna have to work on that thanks for the pass it earned me a lot of points but yeah it was a pretty rough experience love that love that good work one thing I've never understood is how to skate backwards. Can you teach me how to skate backwards? 1,000% I got you. I just have never been able to figure it out. I got Do you, you. rollerblade now? Rollerblading is great. I had my blades at school. And I remember. I have a really funny video of you rollerblading. I can only imagine what that video is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did it involve a fire extinguisher? Yo, I uh, saw that video the other day from Ardo. I think Ardo sent it to us, and it was so funny. Yeah, there were there were some crazy times. Wasn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't someone light a fire extinguisher off twice in one weekend? Or was it at school? Yeah. Yeah. One was that that on, that photo is so funny. Absolute insanity. That like is the definition of our house and i think that's the funniest picture ever taken 1000 percent. for those who don't know the picture it's it's our friend mark amidst a cloud of extinguisher compound i don't know what it is if i'm if i'm thinking of the same picture you guys are you that could yeah, have, yeah that could have been in time magazine Straight as like it, it carnage like a massive fire. yeah it like there's a massive fire ardo has like he has his shirt over his face like just looks absolutely panicked then you have the other time on the sport court where he said it was like we were doing jackass and like I'm Mark Artuni and like I'm gonna teach you how to use a jetpack and like anytime you extinguish it like you jump. It was wild. Mark Artuni was was truly an anomaly. That man was unreal. I remember he slept he slept until 6 p.m. once, (laughs) (laughs) and he woke up and he's like, "That's a new record." Shout out Arno, that's so funny. Well, we uh we really appreciate having you on. You're you're a super motivational guy, and, and we 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 can't thank you enough. I'm I'm fired up. Love it, boys. Yeah. Appreciate y'all. Um, glad to have y'all in my life. Um, I appreciate you having me on. It's awesome. Um, keep being legends. Keep doing this. This is awesome. Um, you know, people need motivation, and people need some positive shit in their lives because 2020 sucks. Hopefully 2021 is better, but yeah, appreciate you boys. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you for telling right. me about hockey and yeah, joining yeah, us. I got you, Manny. Right. See you, fellas. Have a good night. Take care.